You're listening to Exploring Boys Education, a regular podcast produced by the International Boys Schools Coalition, in which we have conversations about educating boys and the many issues that impact and affect boys schools and teachers of boys. Exploring Boys Education is hosted by me, Bruce Collins, the IBSC's Director of Membership Engagement. In this, the third episode of Exploring Boys Education, we'll be showcasing IBSC's suite of online classes. IBSC partners with One Schoolhouse to bring the exciting world of global online learning to all our members. These professional development opportunities allow boys educators to explore new teaching paradigms with a cohort of colleagues from around the globe. The flexible schedule allows you to delve into the innovative coursework on your own time whenever it is most convenient to you. In the episode, you'll hear from our course facilitators. We'll be talking to Brad Adams, who is known to many. The legacy, I think, of, of educational leadership is to take care of other leaders and, and uh, help build their capabilities and their perspective on leadership, again, for, for the sake of the quality of the education. In addition to Brad's insights, we also speak to Dr. Shimi Kang, who runs our self-motivated boy online class. The three determinants of success in the future are going to be the ability to innovate in an ever-changing, fast-paced world, the ability to connect in a globally connected world, and the ability to have resilience or creative ideas and um, have coping skills uh, in a very stressful world. Joe Cox, another stalwart of IBSC, shares his insights on what it means to be an educator in a boys' school. Uh, for most boys, they need to know the teacher before they want to even learn the subject. Charles Bailey from Harrow also shares his insights into what it means to be a master teacher of boys. We shouldn't underestimate the effect that even making a passing comment to a boy in a classroom about their involvement um, in other areas of school life, whether it be on the soccer field or in a school play, and the benefit that that has on building those foundational relationships with the boys. Before we speak to our course facilitators about the courses they present for IBSC, we decided to catch up with Brad Rathgaber, who is the CEO and Head of School for One Schoolhouse, our partner in our online classes. Brad, welcome to the podcast. It's lovely to be talking to you today. Why don't you kickstart by telling us a little bit about One Schoolhouse? Thank you so much, Bruce. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you, and it's always a pleasure to work with the IBSC. One Schoolhouse was founded 10 years ago by four independent schools in the United States that looked to bring an independent school approach to online learning. Originally, One Schoolhouse was founded to extend opportunities for students and we still run that program and have about 17, 1800 student enrollments annually. But they also learned early on uh, that there was power in the platform to be able to extend opportunities for faculty to connect and collaborate uh, across the world. And so we developed a professional development program and began to develop partnerships with wonderful organizations like the IBSC. Well, Brad, we love our partnership too and working with you all at one schoolhouse. And we're going to chat a little bit later about the power of online learning. But before we do, I'd like to get into some of the interviews with our course facilitators. 
I know you work closely with them, and it would be great to get some insights um, from you about the wonderful people who facilitate our courses. These folks are tremendous. Joe and Shimmy and Charles and Brad, they're really expert teachers, expert boys school educators, uh, and become mentors in these classes. Joe and Shimmy and Charles and Brad just act as wonderful mentors for the topics that they teach. They help people wrestle with and think through ideas. They challenge them appropriately in their thinking, and they support them and make sure that they feel really good coming out of the experiences that they have. If you're interested in taking an online class with the IBSC, our next round of classes starts on October 15th, and we have three courses running in that session. The first being Schools of Character, which is about developing expertise as educators in 21st century schools for boys. We're privileged enough again to have Dr. Shimmy Kang running her course, The Self-Motivated Boy, which deals with developing future-ready leadership in the classroom. And lastly, in this October round, Joe Cox will run another of his very successful courses on single gender education. This course is for teachers new to boys' schools. If you want more information about these courses, please do visit our website and sign up now. Without further ado, though, I've asked our guests today to introduce themselves. And we'll start with Dr. Shimmy Kang. I'm a, I'm a mom of three. I have two boys who go to an IBSC school. And um, my background is as a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Within that uh, field, I actually went and specialized in addiction. And how does addiction happen? And it certainly happens in, um, in youth. We know it's a disease of development. In that work, um, I really focused on motivation. So when we think of addiction, it's the ultimate disease of motivation. All motivation is um, basically hijacked towards the problem, whether it's uh, uh, alcohol, drugs, or video gaming. Um, and I spent a lifetime, I think, it feels like, uh, 15 years researching motivation and researching motivation of young people. And I think it all came together when I became a parent, when I was in the school system, when I was seeing a lot of behaviors of very well-meaning, loving parents um, who wanted to have self-motivation in their kids, but um, what they were doing was all wrong uh, based on what the science was showing. So what I was seeing was um, kids who were sleep-deprived, over-scheduled, over-instructed, micromanaged, um, helicoptered, pushed, pressured, um, all of these things, behaviors. And in fact, I was even doing it myself. Um, you know, and I think it was, it really struck me as uh, a paradox, like how could I, with so much background and knowledge um, in the science of motivation, end up doing um, these very um, uh, pressured behaviors that I think we're seeing across um, the school system, and particularly, I would say, in IBSC schools, because, um, you know, these are, are areas of excellence, and everyone, of course, wants excellence, but what we didn't realize is um, the paradigm has changed. We are now in a 21st century world. Um, when our school system developed in the 19th century, it was um, we could see a lot of benefit to rote memory and structure and, um, and a lot of instruction. But now we're in a new era. Um, it's the era of ideas. And um, I say it's the conceptual era, the era of innovation and connection. 
and it's a whole new skill set. Um, we need self-motivation um, because our children are need to be lifelong learners. That's the third educational revolution. Um, and not just for education, but as a mental health professional, um, you know, the behaviors I talked about were really impacting um, children's mental health. We've never seen such high rates of anxiety, depression, addiction in young people. It's the first time um, this generation is not going to outlive the generation before them. Um, we're seeing um, narcissism on the rise in boys in particular. So it really was a combination of all of this life experience and being a mom um, that led me to write my first book um, called The Dolphin Parent, um, which really was a statement of balance um, and saying, let's take a more balanced approach and let's remember who we are as human beings. Um, so my work and the course uh, in uh, on IBSC, the online course, is really based on the neuroscience of um, human motivation and how do we get to what we all want, um, which are happy, healthy, and self-motivated kids. We'll hear more from Shimmy later in this episode as she shares about the course she presents. Joe Cox is another one of our guests, and he is well known in IBSC circles. I uh, spent 30 years in the military, uh, in our army, and uh, 14 of those 30 years I spent teaching literature at, and philosophy at our military academy at West Point. Um, I applied for and was selected to be the head of the Haverford School in Philadelphia, and I did that for 15 years uh, and uh, retired. Uh, had an interim uh, role as the director of the International Boys' School Coalition um, and uh, helped plan the South African uh, conference, which was quite a success. Uh, and uh, then I uh, went back to retirement, came out of retirement for two years, and was uh, the upper school head at La Jolla Country Day School. My headmaster friend said, are you absolutely out of your mind to take that kind of a job? But I, uh, I countered with uh, how wonderful the weather was in La Jolla, and I actually did enjoy the uh, two years I was the interim head of the upper school at La Jolla Country Day School, a co-ed school, which uh, frankly I think has helped, helped me uh, put the... Uh, uh, teaching boys uh, course that I teach in, in perspective uh, uh, because I, I, I come out of a co-ed environment and I can speak with uh, uh, either more or less authority about uh, uh, teaching boys. We're also privileged to have Charles Bailey on the podcast today. Charles is from Harrow School in the UK and he facilitates our mastery practice course and there's no better person to do that because he has so much experience in teaching boys. I've been a teacher um, throughout my, my working career and I, I've taught boys actually throughout my career as well. So I, I'm currently teaching in a, an all boys school as Bruce uh, mentioned, um, Harrow School in Northwest London. Uh, we have about 800 boys here from the ages of 13 to 18. Separately to being involved at, at Harrow, I, I've been um, involved on and off with the IBSC for the last couple of years. At, at Harrow, I've worn a variety of hats, as, as we all do in teaching. I've taught theology, theology and philosophy. Um, I've taught history. 
I've been involved in the pastoral boarding side of life. I've coached rugby. Um, I've co coached our own game called Harry Football, which is a, a very strange mix between sort of soccer, Gaelic football and, and rugby. I've also been uh, head of theology and philosophy and, and head of learning skills. Uh, but more recently, I've been uh, appointed to sit on the school's senior management team um, as the academic and universities director. Our last guest on this podcast is Brad Adams, another well-known voice in the IBSC community. I'm currently a, a consultant doing consulting work with Circle, which is based in Sydney, Australia, uh, uh, mainly working in, uh, in schools and, and certainly a, a, a huge number of boys' schools globally. And, and we do that with client work and, and a lot of project work in not only Australia, but also New Zealand, South Africa, as you know, uh, United States and Canada, the United Kingdom, and, uh, <clears throat> and other places as well in this uh, growing business. So it's been a great opportunity to, to think globally about what schools are about and, and uh, also to get that, reinforce that global perspective on, on where boys' schools are headed globally and what they aspire to be. Before that, I was uh, executive director of the Boys' Schools Coalition uh, from uh, 2006 to 2014. And uh, before that, I was head of school at a big uh, boys' school, independent boys' school here in Toronto, where I live. And uh, I, I'd done the whole leadership journey there from a fledgling teacher and housemaster and coach through to uh, administration uh, steps of administration from admissions and other things up to uh, a variety of positions, ending up as head of the the upper school there, which is about, uh, gosh, a thousand or eleven hundred boys uh, from uh, grade eight to, to grade 12. Uh, before that, I was at the university doing all sorts of things administratively and a uh, little bit of teaching and, and so on. So that's been the journey. And that's what's brought me to uh, a, a long interest in, in uh, how schools function, what makes them function well, what, uh, what they aspire to be. We certainly are privileged to have people of this caliber facilitating our online courses for us. In fact, the IBSC online course offering is really a wonderful opportunity to grow as a teacher or faculty member in a boys' school. Brad Rathgaber agrees. The boys' school community is a special community. Uh, it shares tremendously amongst each other uh, and uh, is very open in thinking about best practice and, uh, and further growth of, of schools. Without further ado, we're going to hear from our facilitators about the courses that they offer in partnership with IBSC on the One Schoolhouse platform. In our newest online course, which is run in partnership with Circle, Circle's research on character education is contextualized for schools by Brad Adams. In this interview, he shares briefly about this new offering and how Circle have shaped the mountains of research into an online course offering. This material is being uh, now being formulated and shaped for an online course aimed uh, mainly at uh, uh, educators in the front lines in the first instance, uh, whether those are teachers or experienced or new teachers, anyone who wants to really get their heads around what character education is in schools, at, at, in boys' schools, um, and it's also aimed at, at uh, you know, other leaders in schools who, who need to get the basics and need to understand what the foundations of this are. So, so the, the course uh, will proceed, will take the report and some of our other publications and distill it and have a series of, of reflective readings and 
we'll, we'll do some videos around it as well, and it will, it will take uh, people through that. What they'll get out of it, I think, it is, is a notion here um, that character education uh, is uh, a very business why we exist. We, we use character education in a, in a larger sense uh, to include uh, the, the character of an education in, in terms of the, those vital competencies that, that students need. So, so we developed an educational framework that really schools were, were telling us uh, something that did serve see as important. So we talk about uh, building uh, particular and clear outcomes that drive this through a school, that drive through everybody's uh, responsibilities. I asked Brad to give us some insights into what participants in this course might gain from being part of it. So they'll, they'll get a vocabulary around these things and, and some, uh, some, some approaches to building pedagogy and to building curriculum around this. And most importantly, about, about understanding what the teacher's responsibilities and are in this realm and what teacher expertise in this uh, realm would look like. You can register for this course now by signing up on our website. Take advantage of this opportunity to develop a critical understanding of the nature and components of a 21st century education for character and competency. If you're considering signing up for a course like this for the first time, it might be good for you to listen to Brad Rathgaber talk about the power of online learning for teachers. To me, there are a few different things. Um, one, there's much more flexibility in how a learner engages online than what they're able to do at a conference or uh, at some type of other fixed time period, uh, time period sense. The second thing is that that the work they're doing is really job embedded. They're often doing this while they're teaching themselves. And so some of the things that they're able to, to learn in our courses that we developed with you, they're able to put into practice almost the next day in the classroom. Um, and I find that really exciting. You know, Bruce, we know that there are, there are advantages that the face-to-face -face classroom has over the online classroom. Um, you're able to react in real time. You're able to have that kind of back and forth that we all love and cherish in our in our face-to-face -face classes. There's an advantage though that the online classroom has over the face-to-face -face classroom, and that is that the online classroom is significantly more reflective. We find that introverts find their voices tremendously in online classes, whereas they're hesitant and reticent in the face-to-face -face class. Um, this is true for adults. Uh, when you give them a chance to sit back, think about it, and engage when they're ready to, uh, really amazing things can happen. Brad and I also spoke about the flexibility of online learning. Uh, I know our students find it really helpful in our online classes uh, to be able to sit back and, and do this when they're ready to, maybe after a run or after a sports practice or something like that. Um, I know that's true for me when I take my online courses. I, I think that's true for faculty members too. It's, it's not surprising to me that we see a flurry of activity in our classes in the evenings. And over the weekends, when faculty members just have that chance to sit back and really contemplate and really dive into a topic. And Brad, tell us about the time commitment for participants who are considering these courses. So we designed these courses, hopefully to be manageable for uh, a busy professional. Uh, we ask for a three or four week time commitment from professionals. And we commit to making sure that the work that they're doing in any given week is approximately four hours long. 
So the total time commitment is between 12 and 16 hours, depending on whether it's a three or four week class. The classes themselves are class paced, but asynchronous. That is asynchronous, meaning they're not in real time. There's not a specific time that a participant has to log into the class in order to, in order to engage. But they're class paced, meaning that weeks open up uh, on a regular schedule, typically opening up on Monday and asking that participants are done with that week's work by the following Sunday night. Uh, in order to make sure that there is real engagement um, in the topics of that week amongst participants. One of the wonderful things about IBSC online classes is that while they are asynchronous, as Brad has mentioned, they are truly collaborative spaces where participants from around the world are given the opportunity to share freely. The Boys School community is a special community. Uh, it shares tremendously amongst each other uh, and uh, is very open in thinking about best practice and, uh, and further growth of, of schools. Um, so it's exciting to see the types of discussions that happen, the types of ideas that are being passed around and the thoughtfulness of the posts. It was a real privilege to be able to talk again to Dr. Shimi Kang about her course, The Self-Motivated Boy, Developing Future-Ready Leadership in the Classroom. This course also starts on October 15. In our interview, we were able to touch on a number of the issues that she covers in the course, but we started off by talking about the endemic stress faced by teenagers and children today. I would say it's, you know, in my opinion, I would say it is among the top issues of our time. When we ask anyone, ask a teacher, a coach, a parent, everyone's talking about anxiety, kids who are having difficulty managing some of the simplest situations, lack of life skills. And the WHO, uh, which is the World Health Organization, has clearly identified the number one health epidemic of the 21st century as being stress. So whether you're a parent or a teacher or an administrator or a researcher or a healthcare epidemiologist, I think we can all agree that this is what we're seeing. Um, and it has um, massive consequences, um, not just immediately in the health of our young people, but in their, for their long-term well-being. Shimmy, I'd love to get some insight into how this course that you present deals with the two opposing realities facing teachers of boys. On one hand, we have the ideas, innovation, and social leadership of the 21st century. And on the other hand, we have the stress about which you have shared. Right, yes, and that's what we want to work on and find solutions for in the course because this is the reality of every person working with young people and teachers and administrators and is how do we navigate these two realities of stress and the need for innovation and uh, resilience and um, connection in this young uh, population. So really what, what the course is going to cover is uh, fundamentally understanding the internal state of the young people um, in our lives, understanding stress, and then quickly moving towards those solutions. And the solutions are based on neuroscience. And luckily, Mother Nature or the universe wants us to innovate. It wants us to be adaptable. I say survival of the fittest isn't the fastest or the strongest, but it's the one with the best fit in an ever-changing world. And adaptability and innovation and creativity and resilience, these are all synonyms. And they are embedded in us within our own biology. I talk about 
the three levels of intelligence, of human intelligence. We sometimes think of human intelligence as being just in our head, the brain in our head, um, which is very important. That's what we would call cognitive intelligence. But we're going to talk about the intelligence of our heart neurons or the, the heart brain, which is a social intelligence, a relationship intelligence. And then the neurons in our gut, which is an intelligence for safety and security and very primal emotions of fear. And if that gut neurons are firing because the child is sleep deprived or doesn't feel safe in their classroom, they're worried about bullying or the, or the teacher you know, embarrassing them or whatever it is that's going on in their own mind, there's going to be no learning. And we are relational learners, particularly boys learn better in a positive relationship. And that's where the heart neurons are fine. And um, once those all line up, now we can get to the cognitive learning. So the social, emotional, cognitive learning. I propose that social, emotional learning is not an add-on on a Friday afternoon, but social, emotional, cognitive learning is embedded in every single lesson and every single experience, because then we are really tapping into the full human intelligence. Shimmy, as you're speaking, I'm wondering if this work is of particularly importance to boys because they are such relational learners. Yes, absolutely. And, we, and the evidence does really support that. We are social beings. Um, and I always say socializing is not social bonding. We need social bonds in our life. And boys in particular are exquisitely social and their learning really depends on that relationship. Shimmy, I'm really curious to understand how these ideas you have been sharing and the ones you share in your course connect to what you have termed in your writing as consciousness quotient and also this future ready intelligence that the boys we teach need. Yes, yeah, so CQ is the new future ready intelligence or the new, let's say, 22nd century intelligence. It's made up of the five C's. I would think many teachers are familiar with these C's. They stand for uh, critical thinking, so knowing to, how to ask the right question versus knowing the right answer, collaboration, so working in diverse teams and inspiring each other, communication, so the ability to communicate across a variety of platforms, including you know, things like now podcasts and emojis and infographics, creativity, the ability to generate new and original ideas and contribution, the ability to work in a team and in a world of increasing automation, have value um, and be a contributor. So those are the five um, ingredients or aspects of CQ. And really the concept came from when we look at the historical development of our school system, it initially back 300 years ago, there was a strong focus on IQ, and that made sense. Intelligence is a left brain, that IQ is a left brain skill, and when information was not readily available, we really needed to have technical knowledge and to hold all that knowledge in our head so that we could execute and learn. But the world has changed, and now we, can, we don't need to hold knowledge and technical skill in our head as much. We can look it up or have an app for it. So in, we started to hear this word EQ, which is emotional intelligence, which is more of a right brain concept. And it's very important, the social skills, the ability to have empathy. But for the modern world to be future ready, we, we don't want this false debate of IQ, EQ. We really need an integration of all of our human intelligence. And that is CQ, this consciousness quotient that is all those five C's. And the reason is the, the three 
determinants of success in the future are going to be the ability to innovate in an ever-changing, fast-paced world, the ability to connect in a globally connected world, and the ability to have resilience or creative ideas and um, have coping skills uh, in a very stressful world. In conclusion, Shimi, I would love for you to close out our conversation by reflecting a little bit on what the benefits are for participants in this course you're offering. Thanks for asking that, because what I try to do in every lecture, every presentation, every book, every article, and every course is to really provide practical science-based solutions for uh, our professional lives, so what's happening in the classroom, and also very important, that can be applied to our personal lives. Um, So this stress being the number one health epidemic is not unique to just students. Um, They are also um, the teachers and administrators. And in fact, teachers are um, the second most stressed profession uh, uh, next to nurses. And there's actually a bit of a fight for the top of uh, almost 68 to 69% of teachers and nurses say they live in a constantly stressed or feel constantly stressed. So what I'm hoping everyone gets from this are these practical take-home kitchen-tested science-based tools that they can use in their professional and personal lives. They're going to be quite easy, divided into three categories, which are correlate with our three brains. So downtime will be resilience tools and and wellness tools. Others are our social and communication tools. And then play are our tools for innovation and adaptability. And we'll cover some really interesting stuff like anti-groupthink activities and how do we build this play mindset, very similar to a growth mindset. So the categories will be play, others, and downtime. And you'll learn the science, neuroscience, and tools that you can apply to both your home and your classroom. Joe Cox presents our course on single gender education, which is a course for teachers new to boys' schools. If you'd like to connect and collaborate with other teachers to explore best practice and research in boys' classrooms, this online course is created specifically for teachers newly hired at boys' schools. I was able to connect with Joe recently and I asked him to reflect on what makes boys' schools such special places. I, uh, I would go back to the founding of the IBSC and Richard Hawley and, and Tony Jarvis uh, and others who were there uh, as we began um, uh, the IBSC. Uh, there, there is always, I think, a debate about uh, the role of single-sex education, both for boys and for girls. Um, I... Uh, I think the, those who began the IBSC were uh, asking themselves, okay, there, uh, we know there's some wonderful things about uh, boys' schools. So let's try to uh, tease those things out and let's try to champion those things and let's try to further those things. So that uh, background, I think, led to uh, uh, some research uh, and one of your other speakers, Brad Adams, uh, takes a, should take a lot of credit for uh, the research that has gone on in the IBSC. Um, and I think uh, if I were to try to sum it up, I think uh, uh, the sense that um, boys are, uh, are more emotional than we give them credit for, uh, more decent than you give them credit for, 
um, those two things, uh, more compassionate, uh, those three things are, are, the, are, are um, part of the joy of teaching in a boys' school. As I mentioned before, in the course that Joe presents, he focuses on teachers who are new to the boys' school environment, and he highlights what it means to teach in boys' schools. I asked Joe why it's important to be particularly prepared for boys' education. I think so much of the impressions of what happens in an all-boys all school is driven by the culture and, um, and what you actually find in an all-boys school is countercultural. So I think uh, you're undoing some of the stereotypes that uh, um, teachers who've you know, experienced teachers and, and new teachers uh, have uh, built up uh, or have had built up for them. And I think it's, uh, you know, worth just standing back and telling the teachers who are new to boys' schools what to expect uh, and to emphasize uh, the emotional lives of boys and to uh, emphasize uh, uh, the positive aspects of a, a single-sex boys' school. It was wonderful, too, to hear Joe reflect on how to maximize how boys learn. One of, one of uh, uh, I think, the most important uh, and is actually a coin of the realm in a boys' school is the use of humor. Uh, if you can't find humorous things every day in a boys' school, then you're, there's something about your perceptions that are, that are off because uh, you can't make some of this stuff off. Make some of this stuff up. Uh, it's... Uh, uh, it, it, it's a joyful, noisy uh, environment. Uh, the noise in a boys' school is uh, usually positive. And classes uh, where, uh, if you listen to the background noise, boys are are, are uh, pretty active in their learning and vocal in their learning, and and it's a little little bit messier, perhaps, than uh, what you expect in uh, in a co-ed classroom. Um, I think the most important thing, however, is to, to realize the uh, innate goodness of boys. Uh, they're uh, the positive side of, of, uh, of, of seeing themselves as brothers, uh, the positive side of, of uh, uh, co the competitive nature that uh, boys bring to a classroom, uh, the positive uh, side uh, that teachers can add uh, to uh, giving uh, boys a voice to their emotional needs. Would you say a core of that has to do with relationship and cultivating good relationship with the boys we teach? I'd say an awful lot <laughs> has to do with that. And uh, the history of that research uh, by Michael Reichert and uh, Rick Hawley is interesting because they were uh, essentially, and I, th I think this is a direct line, and a direct prompt uh, from Brad Adams. Uh, uh, Brad is always concerned about what works in a boys' school. And so uh, he started that research project uh, with Rick and, and Mike. And uh, it, it was a an, kind of an accidental discovery uh, because they listened to the boys and the boys uh, in every turn found that, or 
or reported that um, they found the researchers found at every turn, and the boys reported at every chance they could how important the teacher was to the learning process. Uh, you've got to know the teacher before. Uh, for most boys, they need to know the teacher before they want to even learn the subject. And there's a stubbornness and, and a uniqueness to that, which uh, uh, Mike Reichert and, and uh, Rick Hawley, uh teased out o over uh, uh, studies that went on uh, around the world. And uh, I think it's uh, just a... a, a a major factor, as as, as you said, in in uh, a, a teacher's success in a in a boy's class. Next, I asked Joe about the value of networks for teachers of boys. One of the most powerful benefits of IBSC membership is exactly this. Joe's reflections in this regard are insightful. Well, I was I was brand new to uh, a boys' school as as the head of the school, and. Uh, my closest friends are other heads of uh, boys' schools from around the world. Um, and I think uh, the same uh, holds true with uh, the relationships among the, the teachers, uh, especially uh, 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 teachers who haven't had experience in boys' schools. There's an awful lot to learn. Uh, the conferences have been very, very successful in, in uniting uh, people on a professional and personal level. Um, I, think, uh, I think all of us see what we do as a calling and uh, uh, you know, part of that calling is, is uh, it's important to understand all the dimensions of, of what the, the calling entails. Um, and uh, I think uh, all the professional uh, opportunities afforded by the IBSC, uh, I think, uh, help us uh, um, do what's best for boys. As a seasoned professional in boys' education, I asked Joe, in concluding our conversation, to share one snippet of advice for teachers new to boys' schools. Uh, I think it would be along the lines of recognizing that boys are as emotional or perhaps even more emotional than uh, girls. However, uh, they do not have the language to express those emotions. And uh, it takes uh, some patience and, and some uh, pastoral care by good uh, teachers to uh, get them to be uh, their full uh, human selves. I trust you are as excited as we are about these three courses which starts on October 15th. The Schools of Character course led by Brad Adams, the Self-Motivated Boy course which is about developing future ready leadership in the classroom by Dr. Shimi Kang. And as Joe Cox has just shared with us, the Single Gender Education course which is for teachers new to boys schools. If you'd like to sign up for these classes which again start on October 15th, you can do so now by heading to our website. In addition to these October classes, we also have another two classes that run in February 2020. The first of these is Building Leadership in Schools for Boys, another course presented by Brad Adams, and we'll hear more from him about that later in the episode. 
Charles Bailey from Harrow facilitates our mastery practice in teaching boys course. The next opportunity to take this course will be in February 2020, but we thought it would be great to connect with Charles in the meantime. To kick off our conversation, I asked Charles to summarize the essential elements of mastery teaching for boys. Yeah, so the, the, the course itself, this, this course, Mastery Teaching for Boys, um, is, is focused really on, initially at least, focused on a, an IBSC report from 2016 entitled Mastery Practice and Teaching Boys by Marsik, O'Toole and, and Adams, um, where actually these authors, along with others, looked at um, a variety of different schools from across the, the globe um, and looked at what really makes a master teacher. Um, one thing that I always say to, to people in the class is that a term like mastery um, is quite, it's quite abstract, it's quite hard to define. Um, and we, we all know that in teaching there are often fads and buzzwords that come in and out of fashion. So, so one thing that we all focus on in the class is actually trying to come up with a shared definition of that term mastery. Um, and in many ways actually trying to work out that, that term and that definition is, is quite reflective as a process in itself. Um, and encourages participants to think, well, what does it really mean to be a, a master teacher? One thing that comes out of this class is that um, being a master teacher, you know, isn't really an end goal or end destination. It's just something that you constantly strive for. So it's that pursuit to mastery um, that inevitably encourages one to become a more reflective and effective practitioner. Like Brad Adams, Charles highlights the importance of reflective practice in becoming a master teacher of boys. One thing that's always struck me is, you know, we, we as teachers, we will always say to our boys, you've got to be more self-reflective. You've got to, um, you know, look, look at your lives as school as one sort of big metacognitive journey. Um, but actually us as teachers, you know, how much self-reflection are we doing? Um, what are we doing to ensure that we're not just, you know, going through the motions from year to year? Um, and one thing that, that we've, we've always said with this class is, is that it's been developed for those teachers who, who have taught for a number of years and, and who really want to now push on and um, challenge themselves a little bit. One of the wonderful benefits of this course is that it provides new pathways for teachers to grow and develop and to refine their practice. What's key is that the, the boys know that we're doing that. We, we from Harrow send, um, send members of staff to, to do the action research with the IBSC every year and um, we encourage our staff to actually talk to the boys about it and to allow them yeah. to be part of that journey. And it's really beneficial because the boys then realise that we are lifelong learners, that we are keen on developing ourselves, that we aren't resting on our laurels. Relational connection with boys is a theme that comes up time and time again when speaking to teachers of boys. Charles Bailey asserts that it's no different when considering mastery teaching in boys' schools. I think one of the key things of, of uh, or key aspects of aspiring to mastery is looking to um, build strong relationships with the boys. Um, now, I think this is something that all teachers do. You, you, we do it quite tacitly. We, we want to build relationships with quite personable people. Um, but I think the master teacher tries to make that their primary focus. Um, and there's one interesting section of the uh, class, quite early on in the class, where we discuss the difference between a, a tenured or an experienced teacher and a master teacher. And one thing that frequently arises from that discussion is that um, experience you know, is a necessary condition of mastery, but it's by no means a sufficient condition of mastery. So you have some very experienced teachers who actually won't reach that level of mastery um, because they're not showing that self-reflection, because they're not looking at building those strong relationships with the boys. Um, so I guess the question then is, you know, how, how do we actually develop foundational relationships with the boys. 
Um, and we kind of mentioned that at the start that um, working in boys schools, it gives us the opportunity to wear a variety of hats. Um, you know, we might be on the sports field or in the, um, in, in the music hall or in the, in the boarding houses, um, if you're in a boarding school, whatever it may be. Um, but one thing that we always stress is that um, we shouldn't underestimate the effect that even making a passing comment to a boy in a classroom about their involvement um, in other areas of school life, whether it be on the soccer field or in a school play, and the benefit that that has on building those foundational relationships with the boys. One of the other ideas that Charles helps participants grapple with in his course is this concept of intentionally thoughtful practice. I, I think the, the other area that, that we discuss on the course is what we might call intentionally thoughtful practice. Um, now, the IBSC report itself discusses six principles of, of this intentionally thoughtful practice. I, I won't mention all of them now, but there are two that I'd quite like to highlight. Um, one is the, the need for a teacher to be adaptable and flexible. Uh, you know, one thing that we've discovered is actually the master teacher will um, be incredibly flexible in the classroom and, and um, you know, won't always um, um, involve him or herself in, in red herrings, but um, will try and adapt their teaching to the individual boys in front of them um, and won't be afraid to, to go completely off script if, um, if it might benefit developing those foundational relationships with the boys or, um, or differentiating their own teaching um, for those boys. Um, and the second area that I want to mention is providing boy-centered motivation and personalizing engagement. Um, effectively, this, this is looking at differentiation. And, and I mentioned special educational needs earlier, but you know, in, in a world of education where um, you know, we have a large number of, of boys and girls who have special educational needs, we've got lots of boys and girls who are gifted and talented and need more pushing. We've got this kind of forgotten middle, uh, quote unquote, uh, I think it's it's really crucial that we look at personalizing our teaching for those individuals and we we don't just roll from year to year and and stick to the same schemes of work and uh, and same approaches that we've um, had in in previous years. I, the final area that I wanted to touch upon was this idea of situational judgment. So we spend a, about a week in the class looking at how we develop our relationships with boys based on our own situational judgment. Effectively, situational judgment is the ability to make a, a decision um, on the spot, um, whether it be a decision to do with a boy's behaviour or, or how they're getting on in the classroom, or even a decision to do with the relationship that uh, you might have with a parent or, or uh, the parent might have with a boy. And what we've discovered is that the master teacher will often use their experience and their own tacit intuitive knowledge to, to make strong situational judgments on quite a regular basis. Um, but even when they don't make a good, a good situational judgment, they're very keen to reflect on that and then to act on that reflection at a later stage. You know, if I was to say you know, what one theme underpins the, the whole class, I'd say it's, it's probably self-reflection. Self the other thing that I would, um, I, I would mention is that there are some parts of the class where we, we talked about self-reflection earlier, but we really ask um, participants to dig deep about times when perhaps they've got a decision wrong. Um, and we ask for, for real sort of candor there and honesty. Um, and we always get it, actually. And it's, it's, it's really refreshing to see you know, people who are very successful in their fields, who've been teaching for a long time, um, being so honest um, for the benefit of others um, so that we can have some really fruitful discussion about you know, what it means to make a good situational judgment, for example. One of the key practical outcomes of this course is to develop an action plan for mastery. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned the action plan. Um, 
I think there's a temptation sometimes with professional development opportunities um, to be too theoretical. That's why why actually this class is, is great because as you as you suggest, we build towards this action plan and um, put, put to one side the whole fourth week to develop this action plan. Um, and this is just a private um, sort of self-reflective document. It's actually the only part of the course that's private. So, so only myself and, and, and Brad from one schoolhouse see it. Um, and it's an opportunity for members of the class to summarize what they've learned, but then um, look to see how they can use what they've learned and apply it to their own contexts. I think the important thing to say with the, the document though, is that it, it's not a kind of, um, it, it's, it's not a, a full stop. It's not the end of this, this journey to mastery. It should be viewed as the beginning and, and a working document that that colleague keeps um, to one side and, and reflects upon and, and maybe even changes every year. In closing, I asked Charles to reflect on the fact that this course could very well be a springboard to future opportunity for participants. In my experience, we've had lots of teachers who have allowed their involvement with the IBSC to kind of springboard um, their professional um, uh, development opportunities. Um, I think any, um, any opportunity to reflect on one's own practice will remind you of why you got involved in that career in the first place. From my experience, there's been some, some real authenticity, sincerity at the end of each class where participants have gone away and, and have felt a bit more rejuvenated and, uh, and, and yeah, as you suggest, could, could eventually then look to, to see that as a chance to springboard um, from the class to, to another area of school life. Brad Adams also facilitates our Building Leadership course, which is a popular offering on our online platform. This course is a course in leadership development for current and aspiring boys' schools administrators. Brad Adams begins our conversation on this course by reflecting on why building leadership in boys' schools is so important. Well, it's interesting. I think it reflects uh, all of us have been on a a kind of a career journey of leadership in schools in one capacity for schools or in schools or of schools, uh, you, you do take, uh, start to think about the long view. And, and uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a personal reason, just the self reflecting on my own background and, not, you know, and, and the background of, and, and journey trajectory uh, of others uh, in leadership positions in these schools. So it's been a a, a great interest in that. You reach a point where I think you become uh, less interested in your own capabilities and more interested in helping others to develop that. And, and that's a little bit of the, you know, the, the legacy, I think, of, of educational leadership is to take care of other leaders and, and uh, help build their capabilities and their perspective on leadership, again, for, for the sake of the quality of the education. I think so, so that it comes through those personal and professional routes, but I think also in the the years I, I worked uh, closely, part of the IBSC, an extraordinary occasion. You, you would know this, and everybody who's listening would know it too, that you just, at conferences, you meet such extraordinary people from every corner of the world. This is the, you know, the great advantage, uh, unique advantage, really, uh, to the IBSC. It's just that global perspective and the global network. And within that diversity, uh, these schools have so much in common, and within within the, the professional communities in these schools, the, the challenge around effective leadership, uh, uh, the uh, interest of people in, in, in bringing all their, their talents to the, to the best of their abilities to their schools. It's just that it gives you an enormous insight and privilege into that. Uh, and so, so I think that the, the passion, if, if that's what it is, is 
uh, these schools, all schools, and, and our boys' schools in particular, I think everywhere in the world are in rapid change. They're either being propelled, self-propelled uh, towards something, or they're being pushed and pulled uh, towards something. And so I, I, my sense has been that these schools are uh, reinventing themselves. Uh, and that's just not boys' schools. It's all sorts of schools reinventing in terms of how do they be uh, relevant and resilient and adaptive and focused on on uh, uh, the sorts of uh, uh, achievement that that uh, in a broad sense that boys and all students need for you know thriving in this still uh, still proceeding century. So I think that's been the other thing is just to see that that schools need to be great incubators of leadership and talent, whether it's instructional leadership of teachers stepping up to do, as you well know, action research or building professional learning communities in their schools um, or uh, people, other other teachers stepping into additional administrative roles or leadership roles where they really have to, uh, uh, in a much more complex world, uh, figure out what that leadership is going to mean for them and, and how to uh, give their very best uh, to the uh, to the schools and, and to the outcomes that we all want. Brad continues in his reflection to highlight some of the things that his IBSC course on leadership provides for participants. I think the other thing that that the you know this course provides the the uh, leadership course it's aimed just at, ideally at, uh, at aspiring or young leaders or leaders who are are, are just stepping into. Uh, some of the first rungs of, of leadership uh, responsibilities that could be running it be it could be a, a year coordinator it could be uh, it could be as a as a housemaster or as a it could be as a uh, a director of a certain co-curricular program it could be you know going up further to be an assistant director or assistant head or or various programs so so we look at that as the as the as the focus of this, uh, and and less so, I think experienced uh, headmasters. I think there's a level of, of perspective there, but but the fun thing is to, for me at least, is to uh, is to use this course as a as a lever for uh, these younger teachers or aspiring younger leaders, aspiring leaders, emerging leaders, transforming leaders, to to really uh, have an opportunity to reflect on what they do. The online environment actually provides a, a very vivid sense, a very strong sense of community. I'm always amazed at the uh, the uh, the closeness of the bonds and the vulnerability and, and the openness to talk about leadership challenges. Uh, uh, you know, of quite from quite diverse places, but but that's that's quite special, and I think it's valued because there's so often so so little opportunity for people in schools to talk about these things. As mentioned previously, Brad is a proponent of reflective practice, something that he deals with in detail in his online course. I asked him to share more about why reflective practice is so important for aspiring leaders. Well, I think it's so important because it's so important for everybody, isn't it? I mean, the, the notion, uh, as we well know, that, that uh, uh, the notion of reflective practice of, of Teachers as professionals often do their work, get established, find out what works for them, and continue to do those things. The, the, the teacher who really acquires, I think, a level of expertise does go through a, 
even if it's tacit or hidden or unconscious, a process of reflective practice of figuring out why does this work and that doesn't? Why why does it work for these boys but not for these other boys? So that so leadership uh, uh, should be no different than than if, if there's anywhere if there's any organization anywhere that should be more focused on reflective practice among the professionals who work as teachers and leaders in the schools, and surely it is around schools because we do this work with students all the time. We try to make them into good reflective practitioners or reflective students to, to perceive and excel and be motivated and to figure out what they need to do. So I think for teach for leaders in particular, it's also this work has become much more complex. But one thing we do in this course, uh, you know, we, we, before we get into some of the nitty gritty of, of, of leadership skills, leadership style, we, we back it up and, and slow it down and talk about the context of leadership. Uh, you know, what, what's the, uh, we talk about the, the purpose of, of leadership in, in these schools. We talk about the, the environment of change happening in these schools. Uh, because if you don't have that context and, and can't start to think within those contexts, and, uh, uh, you know, being a, being a, a good leader of teams or being able to resolve conflict is, is, these are abstract skills unless they're really embedded and situated in, in the work of leaders. A practical outcome of this course is the development of a professional learning plan for leadership. Brad closes our conversation by talking a little about this framework. We do that in a number of ways, I think, in the course, because obviously in the course of three or four weeks, uh, uh, there's a little time to really go deep onto this. But we do provide, we, I think we look upon it as providing uh, these teachers with some of the, again, the, the context, the perspectives, and then some, uh, some way of approaching and understanding their, their, their vital leadership skills that, that are needed to, and competencies that are needed to be, uh, you know, to, to fulfill the purpose and, and to proceed. We trust that you've been inspired by listening to these amazing people as they share about the classes they present for us. Just a reminder that three classes start on October 15th. Schools of Character with Brad Adams, The Self-Motivated Boy with Dr. Shimi Kang, and Single Gender Education, a course for teachers new to boys' schools with Joe Cox. Please visit our website to sign up for these. Alternatively, you might like to do one of our February classes, Building Leadership in Schools for Boys or Mastery Practice in Teaching Boys. These start on February 10th, 2020. Just a note that Joe Cox's Single Gender Education course will also run in February. This is particularly helpful for schools in the Southern Hemisphere who might have new faculty joining them in January. We close out this episode with a final reflection from Charles Bailey. There are very few other professional development opportunities, I think, um, where, where you'd be able to have such a, an authentic sort of global experience in that way. So, why not sign up for an online course today? Do so by visiting our website, www.theibsc.org. And just a reminder too, that you can access loads of incredible resources if you're a member of IBSC. You can do so in Member Centre. If you are at a member school and you don't currently have a login for Member Centre, why don't you speak to your head's PA or possibly your director of teaching and learning or someone else who's a key point person for IBSC at your school. Otherwise, feel free to email us at 
ibsc at theibsc.org. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about this episode and the other episodes that you can access on our archive page. Until next time, we've loved talking to you. Goodbye.